Hello? Cody. What? We need to talk about Spider-Man. Spider-Man? Does whatever a spider can. Spider-Man, Spider-Man. We need to talk about Spider-Man. We need to talk about Spider-Man. Welcome to We Need to Talk About Spider-Man, a podcast where we must talk about Spider-Man. I'm Cody Lunsford. And I'm Chad Oliver. We, as you should know by now, are going to be talking about Spider-Man, specifically Spider-Cinema, with special guests. We'll also be talking about Spider-Man news and rumors from the World Wide Web. This episode, we'll be talking about Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Chad, want to introduce our guest? Sure. Uh, you might know him from his podcast, Comic Book Workshop. Uh, he's not only that, he is also uh, not, 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 not just a, an amateur deucer, but a producer of our show, uh, Jason Hammonds. A, a producer, huh? Interesting. Okay. Yeah, one of three. I'd say that Cody and I also. Oh, everyone's, everyone gets producer credit, huh? Oh. Well, yeah, it's a vanity. I didn't know that when I signed yeah, on. We, yeah, we get the EP. I, I edit the thing and I post the thing. I write all the synopses. Um, what synopsis? Oh, oh, on the on the podcast, I was like, yeah, you don't write the movie synopses. <laughs> no, whenever we like post, like an Chad, episode... if you're if you're writing your own personal <laughs> synopsis for every movie, I got to tell you, it, there's a much easier well, way. If there was like a a movie database on the internet that had that kind of thing, <laughs> then I could maybe just copy and paste it from there. But I don't think such a thing exists. Yeah, right. Someone, I mean, someone I don't think a good, good version idea. of it super exists. <laughs> I don't think it lets you copy and paste the uh, synopsis easily. Um, Or maybe you just don't know what I'm doing. I don't know. Hey, you also may know Jason from appearing on this podcast already. He was the guest for the Amazing Spider-Man 2 episode. (laughs) Spider-Man movie. I had forgotten that he was on our show already. I was very nervous as I was saying it that I I knew Jason had been on the show because I pay attention to our guests. I do I fully remember what episode he was on. No, it started to slip from me. Like, uh, Interesting, are you saying something about like the quality of my guest appearance that it, like it made it forgettable? For Pretty you? forgettable no, for me, I'll actually, be honest. Actually, what I'm saying, Jason, is you were such a good guest and such a compelling guest that your presence kind of outshone the movie that we were speaking mm, about. It. Interesting, so, okay, right. cool. Wow, yeah. good save. Yeah, you know. Uh, so we've heard your Spidey story before, but I want to see, I want to hear, rather. Um, uh-huh. I want I want to hear your Spidey, Spidey story again. Tell us something that we don't know about you loving Spider-Man. Something that you don't know. Wow, that's a, that's a, a good question that would have um, uh, been uh, nice to prepare for. Um, <laughs> you got to speak uh, in the heart. Maybe talk about, so, so you came on and fucking, uh, like, july or something right what has happened in the last couple months in regards (laughs) to your love with spider-man how about that uh i'll I'll say this i mean it's it's been a challenging time to like have strong uh have strong feelings on it just because like we're constantly i think anyone who who is into the idea of spider-man has sort of had a bit of a a roller coaster trying to suss out what Uh is happening between you know obviously the the new movie 
coming out next month of like who is in it what is it going to be about is it just a repeat of into the spider-verse but also like lord and miller are still doing live action spider-man tv shows apparently we don't know what those are about they're you know like still in production on the sequel to spider-verse there's there's a spider-man disney plus animated tv show coming out there's a spider-man animated kids show that's currently on disney like Right. I, it's so difficult to figure out what each iteration of Spider-Man is right now. And part of that is probably thanks to this movie that we're going to be yeah. talking about today and the effect that it had, which I will get into. Um, but but it, I mean, it's it's been a, a fun time to see sort of just how how wide this web can be stretched. Uh, wow. uh, I, feel, I feel part in the Wow. I, I I will say I do think Lord and Miller may be working on the TV shows in the same office that Ryan Johnson is working on his Star Wars movies. <laughs> I have it on place pretty that, I have it on pretty good authority that that's not true. Really? Okay. Mm, yeah. So Ryan Johnson's movies are coming. Great. Great insider <laughs> yeah. info. No, I wouldn't. No, I'm not talking about Ryan Johnson. No, I, I, I those those live action TV shows apparently are happening. I, I, which are like they, we've heard almost nothing about right. them, but well, do we they know where they're gonna live? Like Amazon. I remember them. Amazon is is that still the the word? I I don't know anymore. Yeah. It was supposed to be Amazon. I am starting to wonder with that deal that they signed with Disney, which is not new content. The deal where Sony stuff can play on Disney, it's not new content, but there may just be a handshake agreement. Like if for, if the Spider-Man could, freshman yeah. year is going to Disney Plus, then maybe all Spidey stuff could. Um, the other thing I realized this morning, weirdly, was like everybody focused on okay, the Toby and the Andrews Spider-Man movies are going to be on Disney Plus whenever that deal goes into effect. That's going to mm-hmm. be cool. I should have known but nobody was talking about it it also means the last two uh muppet movies that are on the service right now the ones that they haven't been able to put on there because they were columbia movies oh muppets and muppets most wanted were not on disney plus no 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 no, no. not the two most recent the two that aren't on there right now so that's muppets from space and uh muppets take manhattan i believe are the two that aren't on disney plus and it's because sony has home video rights i'm glad i'm glad to join this episode of we need to talk about muppets hey hey that's that's coming no, it's not. It's actually not coming because, um, you know, I, I, I have, I've seen some chatter mm-hmm. from people online that this the show has made a cynical and not liking Spider-Man. And I would say to those yeah. people, I think you may be correct. So I don't want to do that for the <laughs> thing. I, I think you're correct. I, 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 I find think. I'll just say for me personally, I've had the opposite experience. I think I was growing cynical about certain iterations of Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man's one and two and Far From Home. And I I think those movies are fine now. Yeah, I think that those movies have increased in my mind. I just think No Way Home. I'm still not convinced that's a good movie. Like even with Far From Home or the movie that hasn't come out yet that you're already determining an opinion on? Based on the trailer, which is how you (laughs) assess things before they come out, I am not convinced that it's going to be a good movie. So I hey, look, I see, and and I'm I'm glad I can be here to combat this sort of weird cynicism you guys have because Far From Home slaps. That movie's dope. Like it's It's not that good. I think it's fine. It's good. It's fine. Here's here's what I from what I can gather from what I've heard you guys say. Here's your problem with it. Your problem with it is 
it's not your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. He's like mm-hmm. wearing an Iron Man suit. He's going global and all that stuff. And I get that. I get why you want him to be sort of your 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 everyman hero. Uh, that being said, I think that the heart and characterization of that character in that movie is as pure as it's ever been. It's this kid who's just trying to find his way in the world. He's been thrust with like more power than he can possibly know what to do with. So he's just searching for any kind of father figure to guide him along because his uncle apparently died forever ago. The dude who was taking him under his wing is now dead. And so now he's just like, give me anyone to give me some direction. And unfortunately, you know, he, he uh, finds direction from the wrong guy and then has to yeah. deal with the, the catac- yeah. you know, sort of the cataclysmic fallout of that. And I think that all three of these movies, these ones that have strayed so far from what a traditional Spider-Man is, yeah. unquote, that what, you know, according to people like you guys you cynics, and i just... that's it's not necessarily my issue with far from home but... that that being said but, yeah. but i think that all of this is building up to a point where they can sort of you know after the the graduation of this trilogy or whatever be like okay you know what everyone has forgotten that he's spider-man no one knows about it no one in his personal life is there to a take him under his wing and b know about his secret and so now he can kind of be this like college age you know fresh-faced spider-man who's just dealing with local stuff like you know every single college professor he's ever known creating weapons of mass destruction and him having yeah, to right. figure out how to deal with that <laughs> yeah. uh, uh i i i think that it's really building up to a very interesting arc for the tom holland who will be undoubtedly the world's longest tenured spider-man once he's done oh yeah i i agree and i hope that that is correct with i mean that we've is talked about the show happen. before is like we think that it will lead to a more grounded spider-man trilogy yeah. Next. It's just crazy um, that it's three movies leading to the starting point of the traditional Spider-Man. Story. I mean, look, they, they were grandfathered into that by by like the fact that this universe was already in motion by the time they were able to incorporate him. And so mm-hmm. they, you know, it's like, how do you how do you service both things? How do you service what's going on in this larger universe while also servicing, you know, what you want Spider-Man to be? And they've gotten the heart right every time, I think. I think that character, I agree. I agree I with that. I think, that. I think the character good. Yeah. I think the heart is good. But I I think there's a lot of extra business going on. Homecoming is like one of my favorite MCU movies. Like, I think it's, I mean, look, it's incredible. Yeah. Um, and if you have a problem with extra business and you and you somehow are still ranking Far From Home under Amazing Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Man 3, I I think that you got some some I don't know that skewing of reality. I don't know what my list says, but we are going to do that this episode because it is our last oh gosh for the new uh movie. So we will do our okay. rankings, but I don't remember what I can't mine promise does. that mine will match what my current letterbox says because ranking movies is a futile uh not for me. Yeah. Hey, uh Ed, hey, play the musical instrument. Oh, uh <laughs> I think that's copyrighted. Okay. <laughs> no, it's not. That fucking that's a dead guy who did that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dead dead thing. Dead people don't have copyrights. Their family doesn't get anything. That's right. Nope. Um. So we're in the Daily Bugle now. That's, that's what's happening. Uh. Yeah, we're in the Daily Bugle. Hey, there was a freaking Spider-Man trailer. It was yep. a freaking Spider-Man trailer, and uh, maybe we should talk about the trailer last because that will segue into our uh, fine. So our let's speculator about- Spider-Man. <laughs> Well, I, we don't have anything else we, because we have Spider-Man freshman year. We basically have mentioned that. There's not yeah. a lot more. It, it seems to be MCU. It seems to be mm-hmm. the Tom Holland. I don't think it's going to be Tom Holland playing it, but um, it's going to be 
his first year as Spider-Man. All right. So we're going to see Uncle Ben die, probably. Yeah. Uh, We got to see that old man die. We got to see Uncle Ben get shot. I I hope it's... Everyone's hungry for it. I hope it's the... uh, I hope it has streamer blow and it's 60-minute episodes and Uncle Ben doesn't die until the seventh episode of an eight-episode season. That's really what I want. I want the middle... I Actually, it's going to be good. Disney Plus shows are good. It's not... Yeah. uh, Yeah other big marquee sci-fi shows that have come out of the past couple weeks i i have no inside information on it like they the, the i i know multiple people who are working on that show and they take their ndas very seriously so disney they're very good employees and you don't have to worry about it mm-hmm. um but like that being said those people are incredibly talented and the team that they've assembled the showrunner or the head writer rather because marvel doesn't have showrunners uh but right. the head writer is the um uh one of the big creative forces behind the show craig of the creek if you guys have ever watched that i've heard of yeah i'm familiar with it one of the best kids shows and and maybe one of the most underrated kids shows to come out in the last few years it's it's beautiful and he's like truly if you watch that show you're like oh this guy would easily get spider-man like what that story is about of like sort of an ordinary kid thrust into a fantastical situation and trying to find who he is like it's great i get craig of the creek confused with uh sanjay and craig which are two very different shows one of them has a lot of kids named craig these days you know people the name craig is making a comeback yeah um no that that sounds really exciting i also it seems like the animation style is vastly different from what if and they yeah they got leonardo yeah. romero uh comic yeah. artist leonardo romero who you might Which know I was very, Kate Bishop. very happy yep. to see yeah. yeah yeah he's he's amazing he's like maybe the most traditionalist comic book artist working today he's got a very like steve ditko john romita senior inspired style which Perfect. obviously fits so perfectly yeah. into spider-man because those are the two platonic ideals of like <laughs> right. spider-man sort of visual language it, yeah, I mean, that's good. I, a lot of people kind of were dissing on what if I was one of those people before the show actually came out. I think that animation looks fine in there's moments like where in it looks, scenes. there's moments looks where it looks really fantastic. Good. But I yeah. just was really worried with some of the quality control thing that Marvel sometimes does that they're mm-hmm. going to be like, if it's animated, it all looks like this. Yeah, and I'm very glad and to it, see that they're with, not. Yeah, with the Spider-Man freshman year and X-Men 97, it seems like they're just going to adopt the design language from the 90s. Like, it seems like they're going to yeah, have X-Men a whole wide a range of, of styles, though. At the yeah, I, yeah. It, that, that's the impression that I get, too, is that, like, they're mm-hmm. going for, like, really, yeah. which is something that we'll talk about with Spider-Verse, like, embracing the range that you get with animation yeah. rather than trying to imitate yeah. live action, which is always just a losing battle because yep. you're not actually playing to the strengths of your medium. And, in fact, you're, like, emphasizing some of the like not not weaknesses but just things things that the medium doesn't do as well right Right. like you don't you don't you don't want to lean into that like the fact that they're leaning in more to the range is is really exciting to me very very exciting um okay now it's time for the freaking trailer yeah and this will be like a a trailer breakdown slash speculator spider-man uh segment because we can't really talk about the trailer without uh speculating what the movie's about so So we're gonna talk about the trailer and then the edits in the trailer those are the two points i have on the daily bugle okay so um i mean we we got confirmation that the lizard is in the dang movie yeah Um, everyone's favorite dude everyone's favorite dude he looks slightly better it's hard to tell in fairness he does. I, I saw like a kind of like zoomed in thing they they kind of okay. restructured his face a bit that's Here's good yeah. question and i i don't think this is much of a question but is sure. it the reese iphens version or is i think it he is of, back yeah 
or just to bring it out is it is it you know the the professor connor's from the raimi trilogy it's not you know? but it's a it's a good question but it's not it's, I, it's it, probably recycling but it would be yeah. fun you know you yeah. never know they might do it you never know. yeah but it's not yeah it's not it's not uh also freaking sam man's in a and he's just freaking sam man yeah i don't know i didn't even see a person there i just saw sam do we see thomas hayden church's face at any point in this movie we just uh yeah probably in the movie right? i bet we do but um not in this trailer yet and i love electro face by the way electro electro face cool. is fun they adopted the like classic uh yeah, dude. design that's in that's a kind fun. of like a modern mcu way yeah, like, that's yeah. Like, yeah. it was cool. slash ultimate universe way where it, it sort of plays the the middle ground right it's fun it's exactly. nice that's cool um freaking zendaya's fallen She's so fallen. Who? who? Zendaya. There you Zendaya. go. Zendaya. Sorry. Zendaya <laughs> is falling. And uh um, like Olympus. Yeah. And uh Eagle. And uh London Bridge. London? I don't know. London, <laughs> that's the other one. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's one more. Yeah, Zendaya's gonna... the fourth one. Then the next movie. <laughs> Zendaya is fallen. fallen. Right. Um, um hold on i'm checking out the olympus has fallen it's just <laughs> three series. i promise it's 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 uh olympus london and eagle and I'm, they might be making another one now but it's not eagle it's angel angel, angel has fallen Shit. yes yes uh and then there are plans for a fourth fifth and sixth film sure. wait um, actually <laughs> yes and the fourth the, those one's movies going are to be weird night has fallen night has fallen K or I with an N? Those movies. Uh, just an N. Oh, yeah. That's kind of lame. Yeah. Their casts are stacked too. Shit. So, uh, other other than the you know hiding the Spider Men in the trailer, the sort of VFXing yeah. out. I mean, any other notes that that you wanted to to hit on? The, there's the there's Cody's theory that that other Goblin with the goggles is. I don't even know that willing. I have. Yeah, it just looks different. It could be Willem, but it was enough for me to be like, so, they made a point to show two different versions of yeah, this in the trailer. It seems to me that all the villains like show up, like the you know five main villains we've seen, but at the very end of the trailer, Doctor Strange is trying to keep something else yeah, from coming through. I think it's just going to be a wild number of other variants of the same villains. And mm. I think that that second goblin we see is one of them. I think it's still Willem, but I think it's a variant Willem. That's an and I think that's also where we get Ned as Hobgoblin is in that moment where we get like lots of different variations of villains from different universes coming in. My theory is... The movie is like two and a half hours long, right? It's too longer than that, yeah. 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 Okay. So 30 minutes, they're in Strange's basement. An hour and 15 minutes, they're on the bridge. And then the next hour and five minutes, they're at the Statue of Liberty. You think we're going an hour before <laughs> that? The br- that's the bridge? Yeah, the, I, that's all I've seen. I don't know. I think, I think that's well, happening. Okay. I think with, that with, this, with this new trailer, I think it's happening sooner because I don't think it's the midpoint anymore. I think that like he saying. has, I think he has the confrontation on the bridge before he goes back to Doctor Strange. And then Doctor Strange is like, yeah, yeah when you messed up that spell, people started coming and now we well, got to deal about with the it. train. So about 10 minutes on the train. I, I think the train, the that train is like that sweet middle point where like, 
uh, Spider-Man starts trying to yeah, where your goal sort of shifts, where it's yeah. like, oh, the thing that I was trying to do at first, what it isn't actually the thing I need to do now. I need to actually try and do mm-hmm. this thing. Yeah. Do uh, we do we think the Statue of Liberty is the climax of the movie? Yeah. Yes, hundred yeah. percent. It just okay. the way it's it shot, all the stakes of that scene. scene it's it yeah, feels sure. it feels like that's the thing. Yeah, and I, I think that's why we haven't seen much of it either. Like, I've seen insane yeah. people speculating that the Statue of Liberty setting is very intentional that like with the multiverse opening up at the top of the statue of liberty that's where we're going to somehow get mutants in so that's like at, funny. at the end idea. at the end of x-men one they're on the top of the statue of liberty and magneto's got this big yeah. machine where he's trying to create mutants right yeah. and so if the multiverse opens up in that moment <laughs> and he starts creating mutants in this that's universe funny. It's not i think that's happen, sort of the idea funny. yeah yeah i, I yeah. I mean, I've like made the contention a few times before that it's like, there's no way that they just are created, I think, in this universe. I think it'll be a sort of retcon situation where they've always been there and and we just didn't know about it. I also think like a a Sony movie is not going to set up the entire future of. Well, that's 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 the the thing, thing? though. We we have talked about how we don't think like the post credit scenes, for example, will set up future Marvel things. We think it'll Maybe. be like a, a Venom thing. But, for sure far, that, in, but in Far From Home, like the after credits was about Nick Fury being in space. Like mm-hmm. it's totally setting up the secret invasion stuff I, more so than a future Sony so project. It's, it's not going to introduce new characters i think is more of what my argument's been sure Sure, and i I don't think i mean like i when we've been talking about it that that hasn't really been my contention necessarily i mean there's Mm -hmm. there's one Mm -hmm. character that maybe but like you know i could easily that's what i disagree with i could easily see like hang you know showing up or something like Uh, i I think there will be already existing one yes that but i don't think there's a new villain introduced at the end I don't think there's any reason why they couldn't is is all I'm saying. I think that like the the sort of they're not going to set up a future Marvel thing in this. I I I I could see it going either way. I don't think that there's. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be Venom, and then the end is going to be. I don't know. I don't actually know what I think it is. Morbius. I hope it's all Morbius. <laughs> I hope there. I hope the last forty-five minutes is Morbius. It's just like, uh, like that one time we had a a, a trailer for an X Men movie after a Spider Man yeah, movie. We just have a trailer, a new trailer for Morbius. Good. Sounds good yeah. to me. What, um, what if that's what if that's what Doctor Strange can't stop from coming through? Is he's Jared like, Love. he's coming. There's nothing I can do about it. It's literally just the movie gets released. <laughs> I don't know what what do you guys think about the tra- I'm worried about the movie. I, I don't think the trailer I'm, made me I'm I'm pumped about it. I, any fears of mine. I seeing Alfred Molina play Doc Ock even just in a couple more moments than we got in the first trailer cuz in the first trailer we just saw that ugly gray hello peter shot and then in the second again. we see it again in this trailer but we also see him like I don't know, talking to Peter and just like realizing that like, oh, you're just a kid. You're not the person I was trying to kill. And you see that like the nuances of his performance in just like a second, it gets me so excited to see Alfred Molina as Doc Ock again. And that alone is like enough to get me pumped about the movie. I do think think that's a problem. Well, I mean, I'm excited about having another Spider-Man movie, but like seeing Alfred Molina back in the role is like magical. I love it. No, I know, but I, I told you about the fear as soon as this shit started leaking and i i retain that fear of these villains are shorthand we know what their whole deal is 
I, I just know they're, they're I, being I, used as shorthand. I, 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 yeah. I saw your argument of that as like a weakness before, but I honestly see it as a strength. I think they yeah, can I get to like a, a I think they you can get to the point up. of the, the thing quicker because of the shorthand. Mm-hmm. And we can spend more time with like the conflict of like Peter and Dr. Strange disagreeing about what the right move is about resetting the multiverse yeah like strange wants to kill all these villains or sentence them to death and peter's like we can't do that we got to find another way i think that's more what the like struggle is going to be and we'll talk about it with this movie too with us into the spider-verse how there's all kinds of villains and we're able to kind of use shorthand like we know who norman is we know who doc ock is and this is just like a a new version of doc ock but like so the real conflict of the movie can still be like to get really inside baseball and inside group chat this goes back to what jason and i and our friend mark were talking about last night because jason and i you guys had 300 messages i didn't read one of them because i got behind that surprises no one um we me and Jason saw Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yeah. Um, so yep. obviously we had to talk about it. And then we talked about movies that kind of are legacy sequels and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And does Ghostbusters Afterlife look for, work for anyone who has never seen a Ghostbusters movie? And the answer emphatically is no. And so what I think about for this movie is my little sister who is obsessed with the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies, obsessed with them, loves them has not seen a single fucking other Spider-Man movie at all. Mm-hmm. And then what what does this movie do for her? I, I think she's going to be like, I don't know. Cool, I, 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 I can see that concern. I, I tend to feel as though, I mean, like Chris McKenna is a, like his, his biggest strength, I think, is in servicing character. Like sure. I think that, that that's always been the, the biggest strength of his of his mm-hmm. uh, writing along with Eric Summers. And I think I, I would be very shocked if this movie sort of let all of this stuff eclipse what the core journey of the movie is. And so I think yeah. that, you know, much like in something like The Force Awakens, which I was, you know, in my opinion, the thing that I've seen is one of the big strengths of that movie is that it's it is able to have an easy entry point for yeah a yep. new audience you know I, I use the example of my nephew where that was his first star wars movie and he's become a huge star wars fan since then and it's like yeah he didn't know much about han solo anything about han solo he didn't know anything about luke and all these people but that movie allowed him to enter into this universe through you know ray and mm-hmm. and, and finn and poe and whoever like baby was able to accept it and move in past that and i think that basically i think that in this movie it won't be that important that you understand everything about all of these other villains that are coming in it'll just be important right. that you understand peter where he's coming from and, and use all of them as archetypes and i think it seems like the trailer alone is doing a good job of like setting up that like hey these are spider-man villains they die in conflicts with spider-man and other in other universes right, exactly i think we get enough context you know for, for these know. new viewers i hope I I hope that it's not just a nostalgia fest of like, this isn't for anybody. And I don't think that it is. It seems like the writing is on the wall that it'll be accessible. I hope that I'm wrong. I I never want a movie to be bad. I always want to like a movie when I go. But Uh, the other thing is- These are just the current concerns I have and Ghostbusters, which I saw and suck shit, (laughs) is made by the same company. I know different creatives, but it's the same- company here's the other primary difference but the is, same company made this movie which we're going to talk about yeah that's true here's the here's the primary difference for me personally that is that 
I love all of the Spider-Man movies and will it, all the nostalgia shit will just work tremendously well on me, yeah, even if it is it just good. nostalgia. Yeah, I don't care. I will like it, is what I'm saying. See, I, just, I don't I care if your sister likes it. I'll like it. I, I, uh, I don't regardless. think that shit ever actually works. I yeah. think it always comes off as phony when it is just the blatant nostalgia thing, even if it's nostalgia that I like. Uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse has something to say to you. Which is what? Which is that it sometimes works when the right people are handling it. Yeah. I know, but I would disagree that Spider Verse is doing nostalgia stuff. I think it's it's we'll it's, get into I, it. It's not doing the, it as directly as a lot of these other movies, but uh, uh, it's it's doing it. I mean, this movie is using everything yeah. you know about Spider Man, everything you love about this universe, uh, uh, and even if it's reinterpreting it, it is still sort of using the nostalgia that that we carry into it for. Totally. for I mean the the intro scene with the Chris Pine Spider Man. Uh, already is just like giving you little easter eggs you know you got the spider-man 3 dance you've got all the Mm -hmm. stuff so spider-verse is good is good movie i so i think i think the argument we're kind of having is a difference between nostalgia bait and iconography and it's Mm -hmm. it's a subtle difference but i think that's what the difference between spider-verse and ghostbusters afterlife is doing nostalgia bait is like inherently negative and like without yeah. artistry yeah it just depends on how it's used i mean yeah i have to see no and way so home i think none I of it is really good or bad and i think that part of it is like what is your focus for the movie are you using that nostalgia to say something about your central character or are you using mm-hmm. that nostalgia to sort of just you know draw in people for for kind of no reason yeah. and, I, and I think, that's the difference yeah and that is the difference and, and it's something that they do very well in, in spider-verse which again we'll talk about but I mm-hmm. think that it's also something that whether or not they're lifting it straight from Spider-Verse, I think that that's sort of how they're using it in No Way Home is to be like, I hey, so. here's all of this sort of like baggage and established knowledge and 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 whatever, like for what being Spider-Man means, for what all this stuff means. And then, you know, Tom Holland's character kind of being in the Miles role of like, I'm trying to figure out who I mm-hmm. am. And this is mm-hmm. sort of the ultimate kind of like climax of all this stuff where he's had all these mentors these father figures and stuff who he's tried to learn how to be not only a man but also a superhero uh uh and that that you know the logical conclusion of that or the most extreme conclusion of that is like hey here's you from other universes who have been through all this stuff and like you know here's how they dealt with it but ultimately you have to kind of like decide how you want to deal with it and what kind of guy you want to be um, and so I think yeah. that there is an easy way for this to be a really good use of that type of nostalgia for story purposes, rather than just being kind of trying to get people into the theater, which might be why they're holding the reveal until theaters is that they don't want it to come off as, as so cheap. I don't know that, but that. that yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think it's just th- this weekend I've watched a lot of movies, mm-hmm. but three of them are like, you know, Oscar drama type things and they were all good. But the, the blockbuster I watched this week was Ghostbusters Afterlife. So I'm kind of just in, you know, it, it happens when you watch a movie like that for a couple of days where you're just kind of bemoaning the the fate of cinema, that sort of thing. Right. And it goes away. I, I'm not mm-hmm. somebody who gets stuck in that, but that's the most recent thing I've seen. And I'm like, yeah. well, I guess that's what movies are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and one key difference too is that Amy Pascal was not involved in that Ghostbusters movie, which like, you know, for all the problems with Amy Pascal and the, the things that, you know, some people have not liked about her, it does seem as though she is someone who is a very like, 
um, creative minded producer and allows yeah. for creative people yes. to to do their best work when unencumbered by other cooks in the kitchen, you know, named right. uh, Avi or Tom or <laughs> right. other, other people. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Chad, I just, Ghostbusters Afterlife is so weird. <laughs> It's I mean, I'm not going to see it, so you don't have to like talk around it or anything. We're not, something yeah, you we, don't, say. we don't have to get okay. into it too because we yeah. have an hour. That's yeah, we, we do have a. We do. Have I want to talk about this damn movie. I don't want. Uh, I don't want. I mean, yeah, it's a bad movie. I came to the conclusion on this watch, and I put it on my letterbox review that this movie definitely has the best on-screen Spider-Man. I just yeah. don't know which one it is between. I think uh, it has the three best. The three um, best? Wait. Yeah. I love, I am a spider Gwen. Like, oh, well, that's not Spider-Man. That's Spider-Woman. Mm, no. Well, mm, okay. Complicated. Spider-People. <laughs> um, Spider-People. Because Spider-Woman yeah. is Jessica Drew, and that's a whole thing. But uh, she calls herself Spider-Woman in this movie. I, I know. And in the comics. Yeah, yeah, so there you go. Does she, yeah, the she title does. is Spider Gwen. She calls herself Spider Woman. Although there's now like a couple of them that call now Ghost she's Spider. Yeah, she's Ghost Spider now. Yeah, Weird. just to avoid confusion, I guess. Anyway, Chad, what, what's your what's your what's your whole point? I mean, yeah, it's just like Miles is this brand new kind of Spider Man. He's very much a kid. He's just instantly lovable. The second you see him on screen, not knowing any of the words, but singing along to that song, it's fantastic. Um. And uh, Peter B. Parker is like the most down on his luck, but like trying to stay positive version of Peter we've ever seen. Like, and the way he like is a mentor to Miles is like so just good natured. You know, he wants what's best for him. He doesn't, but like his insecurities of having kids with Mary Jane also play into like how he is as a mentor with miles. Like he wants to protect miles and like, he tells him like, no, you're not quite ready. You're not there uh, until the end when they, they all have to take a leap of faith together. And it's just, it's fantastic. I love the characterization of those two characters. They're the best two on-screen Spider-Man we've had. I also think blonde Peter Parker is really good. It's yeah. like they're all different facets, and he's yeah. like the super heroic, like aspirational Spider-Man. And mm-hmm. then you have the like depressed, can't get a shit together Peter Parker, which is definitely mm-hmm. like important. Um, yeah. with and Jake Johnson is truly so good. Mm-hmm. Like it's I, I think every I don't think there's a bad vocal performance in the movie. I yeah, think it's I really agree. well cast and really yeah. well performed. Yep like truly cannot think of a single person that I think yeah. is like not good. The The worst performances are really, really solid performances and the best performances are incredible. Like, right. the, you know, mm-hmm. Mahershala Ali and Brian Tyree Henry, I think give like the two best performances in this movie. And then everyone below They're that is still giving like great, great work. Like gun yeah. to your head. What would you say is the worst performance? I think I would have to say like Mulaney and he's doing what he needs to do. Yeah. yeah see, Mulaney's in character. Like he, he, yeah, he that's is actually thing. doing, cause I, I don't think mm-hmm. he's a very rangy actor. I don't think he's necessarily no. a very gifted actor, but like if he's very for gifted a, for that specific yeah, thing, though. Well, Avery yeah. style cartoon character who stands apart from this world of like mm-hmm. very well-trained and, and like, you know, emotive actors. It's, I think it works really well for him, but yeah, it's like, yeah. That, that I mean, Nicholas Cage I, is wildly funny and good. <laughs> Yeah, Cage um, is giving a great vocal performance. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know if there's like a really like a any that stands out to me as like not being anything good. other than I really agree. good. Yeah. I think Liv Schreiber is 
so good as Kingpin. Right, yeah. Catherine Hahn is doing incredible Catherine work. Catherine Hahn like, is mm-hmm. so good. I guess That's... Tombstone is like sort of just fine. Like I nothing yeah. stands out to me about Tombstone, either good or bad. But like right. I like I don't even know who's voicing him to be honest. Yeah, I'd say between him, Scorpion, and Green Goblin, nothing stands out. They're just kind of present. See, Scorpion, you know? I actually there's a couple of moments of Scorpion that I think are really solid moments for like, you know, sort of a, a bit character voice. When they're in the yeah. house fight, there's like a couple the of house fight. throws out. The house scorpion has a fun design too yeah yeah no i i I think everyone's good i mean they have like zoe kravitz be mary jane yeah like she she does i didn't know that the like four lines that she ends up having (laughs) yeah oh man but i mean i think i love Haley steinfeld so much i think she's so good as spider gwen Mm -hmm. i like yeah i don't know everyone's so good like she's the one well and then um Miles obviously is really good. Is Shemik it Shemik Moore, yeah. Moore? Yeah, he's mm-hmm. such a good performance. Yeah, um, he gives a wonderful performance. There's there's one line in this movie that I think they ended up using a very early take that maybe could have done with a re-recording. There's when he says, "I have to let Kingpin pay. You have to let me make him pay," or something like that. Mm-hmm. I I I don't love the. That's the one line that ever stands out to me where I'm like, but oh, when man, you that when you get better. down to the one line, yeah, truly, it's, it's a good performance. One. You know, every yeah. other line in the yeah. movie, he's so incredible, and I just that that's the thing that takes it for me is I'm wondering if it was like just a very early draft, you know, like one of the first recording sessions they did when it was mm-hmm. all on boards and the rest yeah. of the movie hadn't been figured out yet. Like I I because it it just always stands out as not quite being up to par yeah. with the rest of his performance. That's interesting. It's it's also kind of telling that how many people from this cast have been brought into live action MCU after this movie. And I'm not saying it was because of it. Like, I don't think yeah. Mahershala Ali got played because of his Spider-Verse performance. Yeah. He, had, yeah, he had two fucking Oscars. Him, like, Catherine Hahn, and Haley Seinfeld all And Brian Tyree Henry. And yeah. Brian Tyree Henry, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And now Zoe Kravitz is Catwoman, but I'm sure at some point they had her audition for a million different roles that she turned down. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean Felicia Hardy, maybe. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> there you go. Um, uh, yeah, I mean this is so good, and I like Brian Tyree Henry is someone who I like. I always loved him in this movie, and then I worked on an animated movie that he's doing a voice in, and like the thing that stood out to me so much was like, oh, this guy, every single read that he gives, every take is golden. Like it is, mm-hmm. no matter what, he in, imbues characters with so much life, and and like it's. He's not someone like when you watch him in any live action movie, it's not someone that stands out where you're like, oh, he's probably an amazing vocal performer, but like he can give a lot of vocal range and a lot of emotion, which is difficult for a live action actor to do because so often the the instrument that they're using is their face, you know, right. like they're, they're trying to express and kind of bring things out with their physicality and in animation, all you have is your voice and you're hoping that it matches up with whatever the board artists and animators mm-hmm. and, and people are doing. Um, and so he's able to like really inject so much feeling into every line that he has. And it's, it's so impressive to me when an actor. Listen, not everyone can sell the Ikea fall collection joke. And that's how hey. you know he's a good actor. That's how you know. You know, it's never save the, the world. Your sarcasm. <laughs> that's good. It's a good the thing is, the thing is, neither one of those lines are bad in context of the movie. Um, yeah. They really aren't. It's just trailer lines always get yeah. annoying. Um, hey. Okay, that one didn't. <laughs> that one didn't. Bad example because that yeah. one never did. That one deserved an Oscar. Um, 
So, yeah, where do this, we? I don't know where to start with this. Really. I mean, Jason I, has a lot he wants to talk about with the animation, uh, and not even just the animation, but with the truly, it's not the animation. It's it is the the movie because what here's what I want to talk about on uh, this episode. It's one of the reasons that I wanted to to come on for this episode specifically. Right, this is the first you know like feature length wide release animated Spider Man movie that they've ever done. First one you guys have talked about. Yeah, and I think I think there there is a a very small amount of understanding on a large scale of how animated movies are made in general mm -hmm. you know i think people tend especially when people are used to talking about live action they are they tend to sort of try and put it into the same terms as live action movies where there's a very distinct pre-production production and post-production process and all of those things have their own kind of section and they don't really overlap very much um, whereas in animation all three of those things are kind of mixed up into the same soup and sometimes and certain post-production you know quote-unquote post-production processes are started before right. production proper is started um and so there's there's a lot of interesting interweaving there and i think that with this movie the the thing that really makes me want to talk about it a lot is that not only like not only just to establish the baseline understanding of what animation normally does how it typically works but how this movie took that process and elevated it, changed it, and like mixed it up in a way that that is one of the reasons why it came out so singularly. Because like they were able to try and take all of the tools in the toolbox and look at them in a slightly different way, not only from animation as it exists currently, but throughout time, and which elements of animation they can bring in, which elements of storytelling they can bring in from animation, from live action, from comic books, to sort of create this movie that is so singular that nothing else has been able to imitate, and then how it changed the mediums of live action animation and comic books afterward um so th those well, are the things i want to talk about okay so before you get into that yeah i i, I just want to fact check of how many this is not i i'm asking for a fact check i'm not correcting you on something um how many live action or not live action full length was the word i was looking for how many full length animated superhero movies have there kind of been in general so if we're not counting incredibles or incredibles 2 because they're just not based on existing. IP. So you're talking mm -hmm. like Marvel DC movies. Like it's this and Mask of Phantasm, right? Are they only theatrically released ones? Or Teen Titans Go to the Movies. Teen Titans okay. Go to the Movies does. Yeah, that, that is there. Lego um, Batman movie. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that Which might is almost be it. I mean, different. like Super Super Pets is coming out. Yeah, Lego Batman mm -hmm. movie is is kind of, you know, that, that exists in the thing, but it is sort of its own world. It but I think, I think it does in it. Like it just is... Yeah. yeah, different by the end, but but there there haven't been many, which is which is kind of bizarre, you know. I mean, the, their their origins really of like you know theatrically released animation is in kind of serials, you know what I mean? Like the, yes. the, you know in Just in other larger animated movies, they yeah. would put out these like yeah the Fleischer Supermans and and, and other sort of animated shorts um, to keep the kids entertained before the movie started. But like that's that's really the only precedent which is strange for a medium that has always been you know hand drawn and and yeah and sort of interpretive that way there, which is why a, yeah. yeah i mean so there's why a, i think spider verse is so good yeah there i mean there's been a fuck ton of superhero tv shows that like yeah. a ton of those mm -hmm. it's just really interesting that it hasn't really made the feature leap in yeah. any i guess big hero six would be the other one yeah um which i kind of yeah. forget that it is there, but, i mean it is it's possible that there have been more theatrically released superhero movies not based on Marvel and DC properties than there have been that ha that were. 
I think right. they're I mean, probably right. Three versus two, or three versus three, basically. I mean, I can think of like Big Hero Six is technically based on a Marvel property, but it's but they took the Marvel branding off of it, you know, before release because it is not even close to like what that comic book ever was. Um, right. And it might as well be different characters and mostly is, except for, you know, one of them sharing the same name. But yeah, yeah you like think Baymax of... is in it, right? But yeah, Baymax is in it, but yeah. he's not even, it's like truly not even the same type. He's of not character. cute. He's, yeah. yeah, he's not even cute. He's not even like a robot. He's like some kind of like weird, you know, dinosaur thing or something. Not oh, wild. bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, so I just find that interesting. You would think we would have a lot more superhero animated stuff um i mean the fact that it's like i guess we got what if and we're getting spider-man and um x-men but i had been yelling and i am Groot. chad and i am groot i've been yelling towards chad since disney plus launched the lack of original animated stuff on the fucking disney platform yeah Yeah. and it seems like it's ramping up across the board like pixar pixar is doing like some original stuff they've got that softball team thing that's coming up yeah car show there's dino cars Cars show yeah mad max but it's uh lightning and (laughs) mayor is what it seems like i don't know what it's about but yeah so i just yeah uh and animation do it more i mean i i am putting all of my money on this fucking lord of the rings theatrically released anime movie that's supposedly coming out to maybe i think spider-verse helps i think a lot of things have helped but i'm hoping this lord of the rings movie will help people be like oh adult animated can be in theaters and not just direct to dvd stuff and here's yeah. the thing to understand too, like, you know, and, and something, A, there are, I think there are more studios in general taking adult animation seriously, especially yeah. post-pandemic when a lot of them were forced to try and, you know, go into animation for projects that maybe weren't initially planned Like for. Blacklist, like that one episode of The Blacklist. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, that was the show. I was trying to think of what that was the other day that like had yeah. animated sequences. Yeah. Absolutely <laughs> unhinged, insane. I, uh, the, but the other thing is too, it takes a really, really long time to make a theatrically released animated movie. So even the yep. studios that have started to move in that direction, we won't really see the fruits of that labor for another couple of years. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it's, and a lot of this stuff, like they don't even necessarily announce until they're like deep into production. And, and I mean, like I've now worked during the pandemic, I've worked on two uh uh animated feature length movies that won't see the light of day until like later in 2022 right Um, i mean we don't know a single disney uh feature length film that's coming out next year we know the two pixar movies we have no idea what the disney animation studios movies are they really like take a while to announce them totally um for good reason too because often you know the process is so iterative that sometimes you don't know which movie is going to be ready you know, for mm-hmm. a release that mm-hmm. next year. And it's often, you know, it's often that they switch around those release dates. Like Incredibles was supposed to come out after Toy Story. What was the Toy Story 3? Toy Story 2? Toy Story 3? It would have been... T- what? It did come out after 2, so... But like so yeah, before three. I think after. I think Toy Story three was the one that was supposed to come out before Incredibles. The first oh one. yeah, and, and they, they punted that one around. a while. Yeah, or no, yeah. It was, yeah, it was three and Incredibles two. Sorry, so that that was the one that got flipped flipped around. Is that uh, no uh, Toy Story four, Incredibles two? Because that's 2018, 2019. Right. So that's that right. yeah, would yeah. be it because yes. they had to reconceptualize <laughs> Toy Story four. 
but there, but to it's there, benefit been, based on everything I've heard about that original version. Totally, yeah. yeah. And it, and it's been you know, and I think the same case was with Toy Story two and another movie yes. because they did have to reconceptualize Toy Story two. Um, but this is something that happens a lot in animation where you'll get a certain point down the road and realize that you're kind of barking up the wrong tree or the you know yeah barking up the wrong tree. And that, you know, some studios don't have the liberty of reconceptualizing and then they end up releasing a movie that just doesn't really hit. Pixar, thankfully, they have enough of a pipeline that they can kind of go, well, this movie was supposed to go out six months later. You know, if we do this thing or that thing, this one's going really well. So we can. So in in the case of Spider-Man Into the uh, Spider-Verse, it's a movie that feels so singular. And it's like it feels like it's just exactly the movie they set out to make from the beginning. But obviously with animation, as we've said, like you can just, you have to like reconceptualize things with, with with the history of this movie and what you know of it, Jason. And like, you know, you wanted to like talk about the pipeline and stuff. Yes. Um, Was there ever just a radically different into the spider verse that we ended up not getting Chad? There's a different one on the, disc there is a different what? one on the disc it's not radically yes. different but there's the you can watch the alternate universe um version and the difference with that movie is that gong k is is sort of a main character in the movie like Miles actively Rooney. in it quite a bit Maybe what yeah, he's, a, he's yes. a very you can watch this yeah, yeah but it's, it's, it's storyboards so it's not a finished and, movie. yeah, yeah it's, it's storyboards it's animatics it's previs it's not it's not polished and finished have you guys um, both watched this mm-hmm. i watched it i read about it i didn't okay. watch it i didn't have time i watched wow. it today uh, I did not know that that existed. That's yeah, it's on the Blu-ray. Yeah, okay. it's, it's really fun I didn't to watch. Get the I, when you watch it, you can see why those things were cut. And mm-hmm. then, so this this also sort of plays into the 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 reason that I think Phil Lord and Chris Miller are kind of the ideal types of directors or producers for an animated movie because yes. they their entire philosophy is let's overshoot, let's go as far as we can, let's put as much out there as possible, let's mm. you know like, like let's get as many ideas down as we can, which maybe doesn't then, work in live action, which is it's it's hard to do in live action, but it, but in animation the reason that that works is because like we've talked about the process is very iterative, you get to have a long you know gestation period where you're figuring out all these things, and so they go really hard in visual development, they go really hard in their initial like ideas and and script phase and treatment phase. Um, and, and they will put a lot out there. And even in their first cut, the first cut of this movie was over two hours long, which almost never happens in animation. Yeah. And the reason is they want to give themselves as much clay as possible to sort of whittle away and, and, and find what's important, find what's working, and then hone in on that stuff and, and plus that stuff. So when you watch the alternate cut of this movie, you can see why those subplots were cut. You can see why Gonke doesn't have anything to do in this movie because they're watching it and going, oh, Gonke is serving the purpose of helping Spider-Man figure out how to sort of be Spider-Man, how to get up off his feet. And the thing that I think they realize, the thing that you realize about this final movie is that, A, it serves it better if initially Spider-Man has no one helping him get off his feet. And then B, it works a lot better if Peter B. Parker is the only one who's showing him how to get his bearings at first, Mm -hmm. you know, and and that he's learning from these other spider people and that he's kind of coming from a place of no comfort or security or backup. And and he's totally thrust into this world without any support. Um, But that's stuff that you kind of only find out once you're like seeing it play out in storyboards and figuring out which sequences aren't really doing it for you and then examining why. And Lord and Miller, a thing that they do really well is they empower their departments to come to them with ideas, right? So often in animation, your director has a very specific vision and they want everyone to sort of align themselves with that with that vision. And anytime something kind of skews from it, they're like, that's not what I'm trying to do. Like, let's, you know, let's revise that, try and get it here. And one thing that they do is they 
they try to, to as much as possible say, hey, come to us with ideas. If you have an idea for something that might work better, come to us with it. Let's take a look. If it doesn't, then we're going to toss it. But if it does work better, then maybe we go with that and try and um, pursue it. Uh, uh, but to your question, Chad, about was there a different version of this movie that like, you know, didn't hit screens that was radically different? Yeah. I mean, when they when they were first developing this, it wasn't even Miles. Um, oh, was it know. not? Okay. Was it just it, a young Peter? It was just an animated Spider-Man comedy was, was okay. sort of what, what huh. um, Sony approached Lord and Miller for. And so then as they were trying to put it together and stuff, that was one of their big questions is like, what do we do? What do we do with Spider-Man that is not going to overlap and, and sort of feel redundant for what the other movies have done? Um, and, and one of the, you know, the biggest immediate answer was like, well, if it's Miles, that right away is like not, you know, it, it's covering new ground. It's, it's showing something new and giving us a new journey to sort of latch onto while also playing into what we know about these characters because we've seen them on screen for so long. Um, and then the other thing too is that this movie, <laughs> as it was, that one's not mine. That one's not mine. That one's not. That one's not Chad. That is. That is in fact my dog. Um, <laughs> uh, but the other thing about this movie, you know, in in terms of radically different versions, originally your kind of main three characters in this movie were Miles, Gwen, and Gonke. Um, it was it was really focused on a love story between Miles and Gwen, and that was wow. something that they realized as they sort of iterated. And you can see kind of it's the there, the yeah, it's, of it's that. fully present. Like they, it's, you know, he's yeah, clearly got a crush on her, and she's maybe right. has some reciprocating feelings. But and I think know. it's it, in the final movie, it starts off as being slightly romantic because they're awkward teenagers, and then it sort of yeah. ends up kind of becoming more of a like platonic sort of respect and like you know kind of kinship you know, borderline sibling thing. Um, but it's not so much a love story about them having a romance and like, you know, discovering and whatever. Um, sure. And so, yeah, there, there were a lot of different versions over the course of the, you know, four years that this movie was in development and, and in production hmm. um, that they kept exploring and, and re-questioning and, and figuring out. So, yeah, it, it's, it's, it took a lot of different shapes. I remember, and I guess this is something animation has like the privilege of being able to do. I remember like John Mulaney and Nicolas Cage were both pretty late announcements yes. as far because you can just like, you know, have them come in and record their lines. Yeah. yeah, sort of. Yeah. I mean, here's here's one thing. The reason that those characters they were able to announce and maybe even cast late is because they mm -hmm. don't for most of the movie, they don't have mouths. Yeah, um, because in for most characters in an animated movie, you can't just like re-record lines on the last day because they have to be synced, animated, well, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, like yeah. all that stuff, and yeah. the, and the physical performance kind of has to match the vocal performance. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's not like you can normally cast that late. If you mm -hmm. have a character though that's wearing a mask that covers their mouth, which is a a great benefit of this movie, especially for people like Lord and Miller who like to rewrite stuff at the last yeah. minute uh -huh. uh, and like to suggest alts and get things recorded, like you don't have to animate the mouths. And so as yeah. long as it's like you know, roughly matching the physical performance that you're kind of locked into by your animation, uh, then you can kind of you know stretch it a bit. So that that's a huge thing that this movie had going for it, and something mm -hmm. that came in very handy. Like how many times there's characters on screen that don't have mouths right. showing. Well, and animated movies also can just hide who are in their cast longer. Yes, yep, because yep, yep. yeah, they're just going into a fucking random right. oh, building. To someone showed lines. up at the Sony lot. Of, okay, you know, yeah, or, like or maybe not even the Sony lot could no. be anywhere. <laughs> I mean, I'm working now, on a movie. Yeah, I'm working on a movie right now that has only two members of its cast announced, and I can guarantee you there's a lot more than two members of its cast announced. Yeah, like, like and it's yeah, it's late too. 
the uh, uh, fucking what's her name? Kelly Marie Tran was mm-hmm. recording lines for Raya in her closet because it was made oh, right, the, the pandemic. pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so yeah. that has fully shifted how yeah. some things are done. Chad, I have told you to watch this thing a million times. I don't know the if Frozen 2 doc. It. Yeah, yeah. I, I know. <laughs> yeah. I need to watch it Frozen 2 one, first, but I don't really want to watch Frozen 2 that much. Weirdly, one of the best like production documentary yeah. things I have ever seen. And it is I, I still contend that it is wild that Disney like released it because it is them kind of being like, I don't know if this thing is working, this thing is working. And when you watch the final film, that thing doesn't work that they well, were trying to fix. Here's something, here's something that's interesting too. So I, I did watch that and and it is like maybe the most informative piece of yeah. like educational material that's ever been put out about the way the it's animated so weird <laughs> but I, it is yeah and one thing in this movie included spider-verse included but also just any feature-length animated movie every single one of them has that phase and that phase lasts a long time where people are yeah. going i don't know if this is working i don't know what to do how do we fix <laughs> right. this? like every single animated movie you've ever seen has gone through that yeah and spider-verse had a long period of time where no one knew whether this was going to be any good a lot of people were trying to get off this project like you know artists and 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 mm. people in post-production lighting people and stuff they were like this is chaos we don't know <laughs> they've got so many different you know ideas and versions and with lord and miller especially yeah. they're again they're throwing everything out at first so that they can whittle it down and when you're in that period of everything getting you know put out there you're just kind of going what what are we making what yes it's, it's crazy and, and to think about is- that with this movie specifically, because I feel like now in, in animation circles, it's pretty unanimously considered like one of the best in recent right. years. And yep. just they are very good at bringing everything together mm. in the end. But this is why, and you know, the internet lost its mind when it happened. But I mean, this is why they were fired from Solo, because Star Wars is just a different beast, and yeah. all the people overseeing that were seeing the Lord and Miller process, yeah. and they were like, "This fucking disaster!" And they there's right. there was too much on the line for them to yeah. wait until the end to see if it came together, and that's uh, they it, just don't work in that environment. It just is not a fit. It's it, interesting it that it work. didn't it happen with trust. It's right. interesting that it didn't happen with Spider-Man because Spider-Man is like one of the biggest because yep. um, it's animation, Chad. Like yeah. animation people. Yeah, because you're used to it in animation. That yeah, yeah, that's true. You're that's used to it in animation. The other big reason though, and they've talked about this, the reason that that didn't happen is because of Amy Pascal. Amy Pascal trusted them yeah. like implicitly because she worked with them on Cloudy. She worked with them like she's she's mm-hmm. kind of one of the biggest sort of creative partners they've ever had. And so she knew they could bring it all in. And obviously right. getting fired, and this is something that I've heard from people who worked on this movie, them getting fired from Solo was maybe the yep. best thing that ever happened to Spider-Verse. Yep. Because they were able, as soon as they got fired from Solo, they were like, all right, we're putting everything into this movie. Like they came back and they were there every day. They were, they were there I mean, like helping solo is why they're not the credited directors of this movie right like because they were like oh we're gonna go do solo we've written this we'll kind of produce it and then they came back and i think originally they were already planning on so so and i'll talk about i think after this point i kind of want to run through sort of the the like process overall and and kind of go through these points but i think initially they were planning on co-directing this movie along with bob persichetti who is who is one of the credited directors in this movie 
And then I think when Solo happened, they were like, okay, so we'll let Bob direct this. We'll go off to do that. And we'll kind of have our hands and like be able to help him out. And then very quickly, it became apparent that this production was going to be too vast in order for one director to handle it. So then they hire on Peter Ramsey, uh, uh, like a little while later. And then they realized it's still getting too big for even two directors to handle. So then they bring in Rodney Rothman um, to be kind of not only the day-to-day writer, but also, you know, one of the co-directors. Um, and it's, it's, it's crazy how much this movie evolved and ballooned over time. And, and so I, I want to get into a lot of that. So let's, let's talk about the animation process and I'll make this, I mean, we've got a half hour, so I'll, I'll make this zippy, but like ask questions along the way, because you two, you two are my audience surrogates. I think that maybe okay. Cody, because he's watched <laughs> the frozen thing might yeah. be a little bit more knowledgeable. And then Chad might yeah. be our, our biggest sort of quote unquote neophyte. He's, However, that's I think your there's still... nice way of saying I'm I'm a dummy. Yeah, I'm an uh, ignorant you haven't, idiot. You haven't worked in animation I'm a and you stupid watched, you know, person. The, the sort of in-depth explainers about the process. No, well, and true. and that's the, the the one other thing before you get into that is it, it's also insane. This movie works because Peter Ramsey is the only one who had directed a full-length animated movie before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the insane. other two had not. Yeah. So like he worked their steady hand and he had directed one movie, which is Rise of the Guardians, which I kind of do think slaps. I think it's a good movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's wild. Is it the exact same team doing number two, like the same directing team, or is it not? So so yeah, what's the the number two? It's completely new. It's completely new, but it is there are people who were working on the first um, Spider-Man movie. So so the kind cool. of you know leader of this sort of group is Justin Thompson, who was the production designer on this movie and one of the biggest influences on sort of how this movie looks. Yeah, um, he did a great job. Um, oh, yeah, totally. Fuck. He's a he's an incredible production designer, very, very talented. Um, and yeah, he's he's a great hand to have in there because he was involved on the first one. The second director, uh, Kemp Powers uh is obviously he oh, was, I remember he was hearing part of okay. yeah um, i remember hearing and, about this uh, and getting pumped about this in miami yep. Um, yep very very good yep. choice and then joaquin dos santos is the third director and joaquin dos santos is one of the okay. um, creative leads and art department people from series like avatar the last airbender the legend of Korra, and the recent incredible series and very uh lord and miller wrote it right lord and miller, writing. so phil lord was one of the writers he wrote the earliest drafts of into the spider-verse and then mm-hmm. um a few other writers including and i'll get into that but but he was lord was one of the writers miller didn't have as much to do with the writing other than the initial okay. treatment um however the second movie is was co-written by phil lord and chris miller with um help from dave callaham as well. who did shang chi wonder woman Beautiful. 84 yeah, yeah that's so good godzilla <laughs> American um, picture. His my favorite project of his is Jean Claude Van Johnson, which was an Amazon Prime series, one of their first ones, and it's about Jean Claude Van Damme sort of living a double life. It's very yeah. fun. He is also going to yeah, be the writers is, for the Russo Hercules movie. Oh, the cool. Disney Russo yeah. Hercules movie that we'll see yeah. if it happens. I, he also wrote the first Expendables, by the way. Oh, fun! He created okay. the Expendables. <laughs> Cool. he's got an interesting filmography like it's, yeah, it's be yeah, a lot does. of it's movies that are duds and a lot of movies that are great and like mm-hmm. i don't blame a writer for any of that stuff i know nah, studio yeah, projects there's so many cooks in the kitchen you can't yeah everyone. totally totally um okay so let's walk through it. i'm, I'm going to sort of with each of these steps i'm going to talk about what the step is normally used as how it's designed for and then how this movie kind of used that step to sort of you know create what ended up on screen 
Um, so back in 2014 is when they first started development, when Phil Lord and Chris Miller wrote their treatment and, and kicked this movie into development. Um, and what that phase is designed for is like, this is where you're just kind of like looking at high level beats. You're writing out just kind of like, you know, longhand prose documents about like, what is the movie about? What is it exploring? What characters are we going to use and stuff like that? And they were kind of in this phase, this back and forth with Sony for about a year. Um, where they were just sort of talking about thematic ideas and trying to figure out what they wanted to do. That's where we get the Miles thing. That's where we figure out, you know, we want it to be a Spider-Verse thing. Coincidentally, also around the time that the Spider-Verse comic is coming out. Mm. Um, and so they, they kind of are, are getting all these ideas down, Lord and Miller are, and working with Amy Pascal. Um, and this is also during the time they start to consult with some of the comics writers, like Brian Michael Bendis and Jason Latour and some of these other people. Um, so in in 2015 then it's kicked into the um uh sort of early drafts phase where it's like okay this movie is in active development we want to get an actual screenplay written out for this thing and sort of you know sharpen that up and get actual specifics and scenes um so this is where they you know basically are bringing in the actual you know writer whoever the you know the writer that at this point they want for the movie um is going to be and so for the early drafts of this movie it was just phil lord it was mm-hmm. him and Amy Pascal, obviously with, you know, he's, he's working with Chris Miller, but Chris Miller is kind of helping to produce their other projects during this time. And Lord is more focusing on the script. Um, and this was where he's like pulling specific comics, trying to figure out which elements they want to incorporate from ultimate universe, from all these other versions, um, still consulting with people like Bendis and Latour and, and other people. Uh, and then we get to about 2016. So now it's been in development for two years Um, they get to a draft that they're like okay this is a draft that we can start to work with and at that point in an animated movie once you have what's you know sort of you know close to your production draft that's typically when you bring in a director Um, because the director on an animated movie what you're starting to do is say first you know what do I like about the story like is there anything changes that I want to make story-wise things that I want to sort of bring out but more importantly the director is the person who's hiring department heads who's kind of assembling the team to to make Mm -hmm. everything start to find its visual language, figure out what it's going to be. Um, so they start with Bob Persichetti. Um, they bring him on board. They start hiring their department heads and crew. Um, and pretty soon, because around the same time, you start visual development. Um, and that's one of the most important things. You're hiring concept artists and people like that to draw out ideas, pull in inspiration from comics, things like that. Um, and so you're getting early proof. And, and this is the point where it becomes important to have people like Lord and Miller on, where they're going, this is our blue sky phase go as crazy as you possibly can do as many weird ideas as you can. We just want stuff down on paper that we can start to pull inspiration from, you know, that we can figure out. And this is where the earliest, you know, signs of kind of like this, the, the multiverse stuff that they were doing and like the, the interesting touches with like halftone shading and, and cross hatching and stuff, which we'll get into a little bit more. Um, but one of the key parts of this phase this and this was something that is very unique to this movie and is one of the most valuable things that they would end up doing is um they hire an animator named alberto mielgo who's like a very legendary animator um his career first started in 2d animation which was pencil on paper traditional 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 animation they hire him and they say hey we want you you know he ends up hiring one other guy but more specifically we want you to spend like truly a year just drawing out sequences for ideas, you know, based on this first, you know, sort of early draft that we have, that's very long, very unwieldy, 
draw out some ideas for how this would look to you, but we want you to do it traditionally. We want it on pencil and paper. We want you to go back to your old methods and explore this stuff. And so Alberto ends up over this year putting together three different, basically trailers. They're like trailers slash sizzle reels, all on pencil and paper of just Miles and Peter and like some of the action and stuff. Um, in these sequences, you end up getting uh, four different shots that end up in the final movie almost unchanged. And one of them is the shot where Miles is up on the building and he jumps off backwards. That's like the trailer moment where the glass mm -hmm. shatters along with his fingertips yeah. and in the and script it says he's falling, but he's rising, which is where you yeah. get the reverse shot of him falling. Um, that was entirely in these 2D pencil boards and it was basically unchanged. There was like one camera angle that was changed in the final version, but it's like, it's untouched there. And he sort of, he ended up finding the like not not the design language but the the camera language and the sort of motion yeah. language of this movie um in those 2d traditional boards um and i've worked with a couple of artists who were working at this phase where they were helping out on pencil and paper boards i saw a sequence of uh this artist gabe hordos who's an incredible board artist um did like a mock-up of how the differences between how peter and miles would swing through the city Mm -hmm. all on pencil pencil and paper just how their sort of motions the fluidness of peter's motion versus the sort of chunkiness of of miles um, yeah and so this this phase this visual development phase when they're still revising and figuring out their production draft with their director on board uh was ends up being kind of the most important part of this movie um and and, and it lends itself to what they end up doing where they blend 2d and 3d animation um so uh, at that point, right around this time is when they go, okay, we need another director. This is starting to become unwieldy to have one person trying to touch all these different departments, especially while Lord and Miller are off on solo. They hire uh, uh, Peter Ramsey. Um, and that's when they start really getting into like the script phase. Um, and so that once you get into the script phase on an animated movie, this is basically where you go, okay, you know, final, final ready for production draft or whatever. But once we have our production draft, we're, we're starting. We're, we've got board artists, we've got editorial starting, you know, art department, everyone's starting. So the writer, unlike a live action movie, the writer is on board all the way through until, you know, the movie comes out, basically. The mm -hmm. writer is working every day on this movie. Um, and so it's a very important thing. And, and this is also the point where they go, you know what, Phil Lord might be a little too busy at this point. And uh, Peter Ramsey and Bob Persichetti are also very busy. Maybe we bring in a third guy. He'll be our writer and director. So they bring in Rodney Rothman and, you know, he does another couple of drafts. Alex Hirsch actually was one of the people they brought in at this phase as well, who was contributing a lot of story material. Um, uh, and then, then they kick off. So, so this is where you go. We have our art department, our story department and our edit department. And basically what you do throughout the, the chunk, the biggest chunk of the phase in animation is that you have storyboard artists who are taking the script mapping them out you know drawing out these scenes doing your character acting um you know adding humor they'll add like visual gags and stuff like that and then those storyboards are getting passed into editorial where editorial is shaping that putting in temp score and and you know getting like vocal performances usually that scratch you know just people on the crew mm -hmm. recording their lines and what will happen is then those sequences start getting passed back and forth between edit and story where edit will put it together and go, you know what, we need a shot of this, or maybe this isn't working or we need different, you know, angles on this. And so you have this time where like editors and board artists are kind of influencing each other and passing stuff around. 
Um, and this is where it becomes really important to shape the story. And thankfully they had Paul Watling, who was their head of story, which is, he's an incredible artist. And then Bob Fisher, who I worked with on one of my last movies, who's, who's a, an amazing editor. He edited Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. I think he edited the Lego movie as well. Um, he's someone that Lord and Miller love to work with. Um, and they're basically able to sort of create and craft the story along with your writers and stuff. And so it's not just sort of people doing what they're, you know, sort of ordered to do or whatever. It's people creating the movie in these phases. Um, and then, you know, you start casting, they start getting the voices in and doing that. And this is a, one of the most interesting facts about this movie, which I think doesn't get talked about and is also maybe instrumental in what No Way Home becomes because they wrote the Peter B. Parker role for Tobey Maguire. Yeah, that makes sense. They, yeah. they, they wrote that and that was designed to be what it was. And Sony got nervous. They thought that it would confuse audiences if Tobey Maguire was voicing Peter B. Parker. Uh, and not only that, they wrote roles for Tom Holland and Andrew Garfield as well. Yeah. Um, and so that, that's just, that's something that's interesting because I look at that yeah. character and I'm like, you know what, that, that really, that Peter B. Parker character does work as. Uh, yeah, I oh, mean, fully the, does. the Toby Peter was like so down on his luck. Just every, the, the fact that he would eventually be like divorced from Mary Jane because he was too scared to have kids is like such a that yeah. Peter thing. Yeah, like that's his a entire line. life. It like matches yeah. up, you know, the Mary Jane stuff. And obviously, Being and they poor, wanted to use that, that familiarity. That's like the poorest Peter we've had is the, the Toby <laughs> Peter. So. I, I, I do wonder if all three of them will be in Spider-Verse 2 as like I hope a so. quick thing. Well, I'm sure yeah. when they when they found out what was happening with this movie, they were going, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> we tried yeah. to get you to do this and you wouldn't let us. And now you're just letting Kevin Feige do it. Screw <laughs> oh, you. fully. Like, and, right. and I, I sort of have a feeling that part of sign, any contracts that were signed for No Way Home, it's like, hey, can you spend a couple days right. recording yeah. audio for Spider-Verse? Yeah, yeah. Like, right. I just think that it, happened. It also feels like, Jason, more to your point, uh, mm -hmm. I feel like, in Sony's eyes, this movie was almost a trial run to see if they could get away with Spider-Verse Because Multiverse was no a Way concept Home. that hadn't been, yeah, like super done. Yeah. Yes, that's fully what it was. Which like well, isn't I... fair to this movie in Here's a way. It's, it's almost like insulting that it's like, well, we can make the risk with the animated one. Like who cares? My, my like, actual, my, my belief is, is actually less that they did this as sort of a, a trial and error for it and mm. more that this movie ended up making them realize that they could yeah do i guess it's more uh, that more that because yeah, i yeah. think that lord and miller were very emphatic that like they wanted to go all out with this and wanted to try yeah. things and use the existing knowledge of spider-man to tell this story because it is a legacy story you know it's a story about inheriting this thing that's so much bigger than yourself and so they totally. had to kind of weaponize yeah. that awareness of spider-man in order for this to work and for um, all intents and purposes like the two peter parkers we see are pretty similar to the raimi peter parker i mean we have all the gags of like the right. spider-man 3 dance and the the car coming through the window when he's on a date with mary right. jane stuff like that um yeah but yeah they're they're very very inspired by totally and what there, we and there know are moments, of spider-man yeah and there are moments as well that are like callbacks to um andrew garfield's spider-man there's like a moment on the on the um i think the brooklyn bridge with two cars falling off both sides of the yep. the bridge and like a few right, moments yeah. like that yeah um and i don't know if they wrote like the chris pine peter parker to be andrew garfield i don't know what was written for andrew garfield other than that there was something written tom holland's cameo was just a cameo he was like a someone at the subway station just saying something to miles hmm. um 
Um, but anyway, so, so, you know, as you're getting into this phase, you're doing your storyboard artist edit and story or passing stuff around. You also have art department involved in that because like story artists will have these ideas where they're like, oh, maybe, you know, maybe Miles should, should do this thing. You know, maybe he should like slap a sticker on a, on a light pole. And so then they pass back to art and art's like, mm -hmm. oh, okay, we'll design a light pole and we'll design a sticker, you know, like that kind of stuff. So yeah. it's always this interplay where these departments, and this is the coolest thing to me about animation is that each department can influence all of the departments around it rather than everyone just having to sort of feel like, okay, this is what that department did, did and we have to deal with that. Like it's, it's such a collaborative thing where everyone's making the soup together that like over the course of, you know, this year and a half that the movie's in active production, they can they can pass the baton to each other and influence mm. each other in kind of this cycle that's going back and forth constantly. Um, and so, you know, there's there's awesome things where the production department was able to be like, oh, okay, we have all this viz dev work that shows, you know, these Kirby crackle things and this like, you know, chromatic aberration and 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 all this stuff. Like, let's try and use those ideas. Like, what if we were able to make our final movie look like the still images, which is almost never what happens. Like the visual development stuff is almost always just sort of used for like, okay, production design, costume design, we get the idea of these characters. Now let's make them practical and workable in a way that we can animate. And in this movie, they kind of went, let's just try and do that. Like, let's try and do the thing that people paint and like, uh, and do. So they, they get to this point, once you're far enough along in editorial that you have like a cut, you know, a cut or two of the movie, um, that's when you start to involve um, previs, which is like, if anyone knows what previs is, it's kind of when you see like deleted scenes from a movie or like if you've watched the movie Food Fight, which is, you know, sort of quote unquote, <laughs> the worst animated movie ever made. Yeah, that, that movie is entirely previs. That was never meant to be seen in that way. Previs is like the scariest looking version of animation you ever see. It's often mm -hmm. like no expressions, you know, just like dead eyes, yeah, no life, moving, really blocky, no life, no at life. All. it's all robotic. And it's yeah. just, here's the basic framing of what right. the shot will be with none of the life. Yeah, because the, the purpose of previs is we want to figure out camera, we want to figure out like lenses, you know, we want to figure out like positioning, you know, movements and stuff like that. And we want to figure out blocking, where are the characters going to be? How are they going to interact? And so it's, it's taking the storyboards, taking the edit, and then putting them into like a sort of 3D workable environment that you can work within so that when you pass it over to animation, they can actually start to infuse it with lighting, with, with you know, textures, with stuff like that. And this is the most important part of the movie, I think, is, is this lighting thing. They're given this huge canvas. Sony Imageworks is their animation studio. And here's, here's the thing to understand about animation is that you have multiple different departments within the animation department. You've got your um, um, character and environment animation, which is like the act of making stuff move, right? That, that's what animation purely is. It's like, let's make this stuff move. Then you've got your lighting department, which is how, you know, how all the colors and lighting and stuff interacts. Color is also a part of it. There's a separate color department. Then there's VFX, which is like all of the, you know, same thing as VFX would be in live action. It's your explosions. It's your sort of like little things. In this movie, there's a lot of text on screen. Um, and the, the, the key elements that come from each of those departments is you have in the character animation department, you have the separate character effects for each of the spider people. All of them move differently and, and interact with their environments differently. That comes from them. You have the 2D line work added on top of the 3D animation, which comes from the character animators. Um, and then in the lighting department, you have the crosshatch shader, the bend day lighting, and the misalignment for focus, the chromatic aberration for focus, which makes things look like they're not, you know, printed correctly or whatever. Um, and then in the VFX department, you have Danny Dimian, who was the VFX supervisor. He worked on 
the 2002 Spider-Man movie, the live action one mm. for Sony mm. Imageworks. He also worked on Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs and was the person who had to figure out how to animate a castle made of jello, which broke their animation <laughs> engines at that point. That was the first time that Phil Lord and Chris Miller pissed people off by trying to make new ways of animation, which they would do again in Lego Movie and again in Spider-Verse. Mm. Um, and so Danny Dimian was a perfect person to have there. And he kind of figures out how to do the Kirby crackle for the energy and doing like, you know, motion mm. lines uh, when people are moving the sort of smearing effect rather than motion blur. And then the text on screen, you know, for like when things are happening mm. to kind of emphasize it. So that's the big thing. And then once all this stuff is locked, once you have timing locked, editorial is, is you know, they figured out how long each sequence will be. Then you can start to do sound music, you know, score, soundtrack, all that stuff. So that that's the sort of you know pipeline of animation and all of it is interacting with each other all the way until the end and and those are kind of some of the ways that sony took that stuff and and sort of made it into something new which as someone who works in animation you will not if you work in animation you will not go a week without someone citing spider-verse as as an inspiration for something that they are trying to do that's like, awesome it truly it happens that. every single week that I hear someone be like, what if we, you know, that thing they did in Spider-Verse, could we try and, you know, like <laughs> mm -hmm. constantly, this movie has changed the game and it's yeah. changed the game for animation. It's changed the game for live action because now everyone has a multiverse story. They did Crisis on Infinite Earths on DC TV. They're doing, you know, this No Way Home thing. They're doing this Flash movie that brings back Michael Keaton. And it's changed comic <laughs> yeah. books because there's comic book artists now who approach their methods of lighting and color and illustration differently because of what this movie did. Like mm -hmm. it, the, the fingerprints of this, Loki would not have happened without this movie. No. Like there's, there's yeah, the not. Miss Minutes stuff, the multiversal stuff, like, this movie yeah. paved the way for everything we're seeing in genre entertainment right now. It's amazing. It's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it is. I mean, it is. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. It won best animated film at the Oscars. We always oh, have yeah. to bring that yeah. up. Um, First comic book adaptation to win a best uh, something uh, Oscar ever. Oscar. Yeah. 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 Um, which is, pretty wild i mean because especially when you think of there's been a lot of comic adaptations that weren't even the superhero comics right. that still didn't even uh, get that like yeah. road to perdition or ghost world yep. or things like that that didn't even get there um it be incredibles 2 which was kind of a big thing it was one of the only like non-disney pixar movies to win in a while um yeah. which which was pretty big well deserved when like nobody was mad about it it was a big moment um yeah this movie rules um and it slaps and thank you jason for taking us to school hey, um you know. yeah dad still has the homework the of uh watching the frozen two doc i wish there was yeah, that level that. of documentary about this movie specifically Me but too. even still really um, every every movie i just want like to see okay what was the moment where you thought it wasn't going to come together and like let's yeah. just spend some time in that day where like the director is uh like sitting in a corner stressing out um, yeah i want to well, see that for every movie i i watch every fucking marvel disassembled that comes out mm -hmm. and but that's but more than are, patting them on the back though yeah that's those are an vibe. hour long and they don't really go into yeah. the shit that went sideways that yeah. much there's like a, people, maybe an aside if people could see the behind the scenes on every animated movie before it was released, everyone would think animation was a joke and everyone would think every <laughs> animated movie was going to be awful because truly it is so much like panicking and just like, I don't, I don't know what we're doing anymore. Like it's, it, there's just that shit. Happens I love constantly. that. 
That is um, good. <laughs> it's it's an interesting environment to work in. Um, um, okay. Because every so, yeah, go ahead. Please. Go ahead. No, I, say I just what you were gonna when say. I first started working in animation, something that a friend of mine told me that proved to be something that is very important to remember. So for anyone who is working in animation or will work in animation, every movie that you work on is going to seem really bad for a long time. And then at the end, it might get really good. Right. It might not. It's the roll of the might. dice. Right. Yeah. It's, it, it, but, but you will, it'll, it'll be impossible to determine whether or not you're working on a good or bad movie for a very long time. Well, and sometimes those slam dunk movies, which not to plug in another documentary, but I'm going to, uh, this one's harder to find because this one was buried because of what has shown, but kingdom of the sun, which was everybody thinking that they had a wonderful movie to start with. And then it fucking falling apart. And then mm. they kind of twist and make it emperor's new groove, which a lot of people like, but it is not the prestige project that it started out as right. it started out as, Pocahontas, Hunchback of Notre Dame, very That's like so serious. interesting. Yep, because it, it struck such a apart. different tone in the end, and like oh, it ended up being different. incredible. I love that movie, but yeah, uh, yeah. Th that documentary is also worth watching. You just have to dig around for it because that one fully gotcha. did get buried. Um, okay, so this is our last episode before No Way Home, which is our true last episode, but we're going to be focused on the brand new movie there. So the right. less retrospection there. Um, I a programming note that episode's going to happen when it happens. We're going to try and get it out as soon as possible, but we are both traveling for yeah. the holidays and Chad specifically is not seeing the movie until who knows the fuck when I, so, I, I'm planning. I so here's, here's, here's the thing is it's, it's my sister-in-law's wedding and we're very happy about that. And we're not sad we're planning we're, on her part though. We're, we're not sad that we're missing Spider-Man. We are happy. No, no, she we could have picked a different weekend, but that December weddings, that being said, wild. I think like December once wedding is selfish. Look, the second week before Christmas, the is, second, I just I don't know. The second that she and her new husband ride off in their car to to honeymoon land, yeah, we're phone free. Yeah. We're free. Chewy, we can go free. watch no, the movie. Genie, you're free. Yeah, <laughs> we can go watch the movie in our suit and dress. Yep, and uh, have a good time. Yeah, and then we'll only be like two days late at the time. So I think that that's what we'll I do. I cannot believe they went for a December wedding though. That's fucking rude. I, I like. No, it was I, actually wildly thoughtful because they knew how limited our uh, travel time is with like me working in mm, the industry. I guess. And they I guess knew we'd be. They knew we'd be coming over Christmas, and they did it for us. So like we were thankful for that. I I, I guess it, it in a way it makes sense, but at the same time planning if anybody plans anything near christmas to me i it just like stresses me out there's already too oh, much it stresses me out sure yeah, yeah. It's, it's also my birth month yeah so wow well, you have to yeah. get through christmas before you get to your birthday chad so yeah um we're not I concerned I'm well hey aware. um we're going to talk about our spider rankings real quick yeah um to wrap this episode up just because like i said there'll be a lot of focus on the new movie in the next episode i can so, i can do mine uh, off the dome i'm gonna go want to go first i'm gonna go first okay so, um so we're including some movies we didn't cover because they're on my letterbox list um, oh okay we're including the venom <laughs> movies yeah okay um so let me start from number 10 10 
The Amazing Spider-Man. Nine, The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Eight, Venom. Seven, Spider-Man 3. Six, Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Number five, Spider-Man Far From Home. Number four, Spider-Man Homecoming. Number three, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. Number two, Spider-Man 2. And number one is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Um, okay, so going in that order from Can you do last that place first, I, th- I, I have pulled up the, the letterbox okay. now. So The Amazing Spider-Man, my least favorite one. Yeah. Spider-Man 3, next up. Okay. Spider-Man Far From Home, next up. Mm. The Amazing Spider-Man 2, next up. And then there's a there's a tier breaking here where like these are I don't like, care about tiers. I got these are these are these are fine minutes. These are fine, but not great. The next tier starts with Venom, and then Venom. Let there be carnage, and that is its own tier. It's like these are fun and weird. Okay, keep going. I don't care about. The and tiers. then we've got the golden tier. This these all, the top four all in the golden tier. Like all you're not hearing me when I say I don't care about the tiers. Uh, Spider Man in number four. Spider-Man Homecoming in number three, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse in number two, and then Spider-Man 2, best superhero movie of all time, number one. Not true, but it's pretty It good. just is. It's, it's the best not. superhero movie of all time. It's not. Um, Jason, do you want to take a swing at it? I feel like you could do this. Yeah, I can do it. I, I pulled up my like entire list of superhero movies ranking, so I'm, I'll just go off of that. Um, at yeah, just read of- all of those, please. Hey, no, Jason. I'm, do- I'm just not- <laughs> Is it just list. Marvel and DC on that list, or do you have like superhero movies? Just Marvel that and aren't... DC. It's Marvel, Marvel and DC adaptations. Okay. Um, okay, so I've got Spider-Man 3 at the bottom. Don't at me. Um, and then I have uh Venom Let There Be Carnage. Interesting. Uh, oh, this... yeah, I thought that one was fun. I thought it was better than Venom. I like all of these movies. I yeah. They, yeah. like they're all fun to me. Um, but so then Venom Let There Be Carnage, then Venom. Okay, then Amazing Spider-Man. Uh-huh. <laughs> Then Amazing Spider-Man Two. Uh-huh. Uh, from there, I then have Spider-Man Far From Home. Mm-hmm. Um, then Sam Raimi Spider-Man. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is where this is where people start to get a little upset with me. Uh, then Spider-Man Ho- Homecoming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Spider-Man Two, and then uh-huh. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which is the greatest superhero movie of all time. I think our top four is all the same, right? Similar, but so. not quite the same. I have, yeah, I have different orders, but like the same. We movies. we all have the same top four. Yeah. yeah. Um. Wow. Uh. Have you guys ever heard of a of a Batman? <laughs> you ever heard of a Batman? I have a Batman. I don't know. I I don't know if I can Man. say what the best superhero movie of all time is, but like I don't know. Uh, it's Spider Verse is close. It's, it's not Spider Verse. Spider-Verse is pretty fucking close. Spider-Verse, I think, is one of my favorite movies, I've realized. Um, but I don't know. Dark Knight's pretty good. Batman That's, Begins, pretty the, good. The thing about my top four Spider-Man movies is, like, I, if someone mentioned it, I'd say, like, oh, yeah, that's one of my favorite movies. And it's four different Spider-Man movies. Like, I yeah. love them a lot. Um, I think... If you count TV as movies, Watchmen's pretty good. Yeah. You know, if you want to do that annoying superhero thing. movie thing. Yeah. Yeah. My, my top movie. four or my top five superhero things is Spider-Verse, Dark Knight, Watchmen yeah. 2019 or 2020, yeah. whatever it was. And then Sui- The Suicide Squad and Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Um, gotcha. I do think X-Men 2 is better than almost every Spider-Man movie except Spider-Verse. 
X Men Two is fantastic. Yeah. yeah, and I think Best Days X-Men of Future Past oh, is better like... than every Spider Man movie except Spider Man no. Two and Into the Spider Verse. That's like that's Days wild, and I love Days of Future Past, but that's I wild. Movie. Logan, maybe I like Logan a lot. Logan. Hey, do you guys know that it's a western? <laughs> if you think about it. It's not a superhero I movie. Guess, it's a western. Yeah, maybe. In, is it even on your list? It shouldn't be. It shouldn't yeah, because it's, it's a not a superhero western, movie. Yeah. It's a western. Logan is also higher than every other Spider-Man movie except Spider-Man Two and Into the Spider Verse. Um, Interesting. On my list. Yeah, that's probably about right. Yeah, fake fan. Um, not as high as Days of Future Past. <laughs> okay, that's insane. Um, we need to wrap this show up. I got yeah, wrap it up in webs, baby. Yep. You can follow uh, me at Jason Halftones yep. and thatmightbecool.com. There you go. Oh, uh, you can that. follow me at Chad A. Oliver. Uh, you can listen to my other show at Lord minutes. of the Rings Sentence. Okay. L- at me. L-O-T-R Sentence is where you follow mm, that yeah. show, but it's called you, Lord of the Rings. Comic Book can... Workshop. That's my podcast. Check it out. <laughs> it's really fun. I interview comic book creators. You can find me at Cody Lunsford underscore on Twitter and Instagram at Cody Lunsford on Letterboxd. You can find the other show, Best Pictures, wherever you find podcasts. We will be talking about uh, Argo soon. Cabin in the Woods. Mm, Cabin oh, in the Woods yeah. will be the next episode that comes yep. out like three days after this episode comes out. Perfect. Directed We're by your guys' favorite dude, Joss Whedon. Uh, yep. Not directed by. Not directed yeah, by. That's right. Written by. Oh, yeah. yeah Drew Goddard by. directed that show. Yeah. yeah. Who is my yeah. favorite dude? Yeah, he's yeah. good. He's good. Sinister Six. RIP. 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 Also, level RIP. Six other fucking things. Every Marvel project that ever. But, you know, he got that hotel movie and it's really good. No, he didn't. Oh, mm-hmm. bad times at El Royale. I yeah. thought you were talking about Hotel Artemis, and I was Which like, is "No, a fun it, movie. It is fun." Not Drew Goddard. Okay. Hey, he no. did Good Place. Good Place ended when it needed to end. That one Drew, had yeah. a good, healthy lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, Cody, do you have a spider fact for us? I do have a spider fact. Did you guys know uh, Earth? Uh, you know, we, multiverse, Spider Verse. I had to bring a Spider Verse um, character, and so Earth. 51914 Spider-Man is the Hostess Snack Cakes Spider-Man. He's a salesman for Hostess <laughs> and he fights bad guys by throwing snack cakes at them. I love that. Good night, everyone. Don't let the radioactive spider bite. Spider-Man, Spider-Man. We need to talk about Spider-Man. We need to talk about Spider-Man. That might be cool.com. You never know.